Hello and welcome to our expert opinion podcast in association with Explore Lifestyle. My name is Taylor Johnson, founder of Explore Lifestyle, and joining me will be a variety of industry experts as well as plenty of everyday fitness lovers to give us an insight into the actual barriers that are stopping you achieve your goals. We'll be delving into four key areas, exercise, nutrition, mental health and lifestyle, and exploring how to achieve these all whilst living a happy and healthy life. So sit back and let us give you our expert opinion. Welcome back to another episode of the Our Expert Opinion podcast. Today we are joined by our very special guest, representing Reading, Bracknell and Berkshire for Athletics, as well as Great Britain for powerlifting, Amrik Messer. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you, Taylor. I'm well, thank you. A uh, bit cold on this winter evening, but you know, doing well, doing well. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, so we're actually recording this podcast outside in Amrik's garden. Um, we do have a fire pit close by not too close though um obviously we are trying to stick to the social distancing measures that are in place at the moment um we're lucky enough to to be in a tier where we can sit outside and do this podcast so amrick obviously first time on the show thanks very much for being here what we always like to do is run through a little bit of background of our guests so take us through we've already sort of mentioned it you started off athletics at quite a young age so when did that all start yeah, so that all started when I was about 13, 14. Um, Mitch, actually, Mitch White from school got me into it. Basically, yeah. we, uh, we had a sports day and uh, Mitch was really good. And he, was, he smashed everybody in every athletics race, essentially. Yeah. And I just thought, I, I want to be able to do that, essentially. I, I really liked sports anyway. I liked badminton and all the sports that the teachers teach you, essentially, at primary school. And yeah, like the basics school. that yeah. you go through. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And he just said... Um, come to come to Reading or to Bracknell for a couple of athletic sessions and see where it goes from there and got hooked on it essentially straight away loved it you improve so quickly at the beginning so yeah. it was such a feel good kind of thing would you say you're quite natural at it uh yeah athletics I think I was quite natural at uh long distance running 1500 meters cross country yeah uh didn't really have any issue with stamina so could kind of just <laughs> run and run and run which was handy yeah so, no, I enjoyed that, really enjoyed it. You know, speaking of, you know, you mentioned Mitch White as well, who went to our school. He trained really, really hard. Would you say you trained as hard? Because I know you beat him in quite a few of the things we did. <laughs> on Just on our sports days at school, obviously, I, did, I wasn't there for the competitions necessarily. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch beat me a lot too. Um, he, it was very neck and neck a lot of the time. Uh, I, I didn't really train as hard as I probably should have. Um, partly laziness. Partly just, well, mainly laziness, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I just, I think it was something that I found I was naturally okay at. Yeah. Never really saw myself going too far in it, more as a hobby than anything okay. else. So kind of just 50-50, one foot in, one foot out most yeah. of the time and didn't really commit to the five, six training sessions that you saw a lot of the other boys doing. Fine. And obviously you mentioned you kind of joined because it was like a competitive nature yeah. to it you saw someone else be good and you thought well i don't want to be losing i want to be able to compete would yeah. you say that competitive nature is what sort of pushed you into sports going well from a young age and going forward yeah 100 percent. i think with uh, with sports if if you're good at sports generally and if you're generally quite a fit person and enjoy a, ha- a healthy active lifestyle um you can find a sport that you'll basically be good at you can trial 10 15 however many you want essentially and there's you're very likely to find at least one that you'll be very very good at and the rest you'll be 
pretty good at and I think if you're competitive by nature sports is often hand in hand with that because it's it's such a you are a winner or you are a loser in almost every sport I think it is actually in every sport yeah um so I mean if you're competitive as I, I am quite a competitive person I kind of want to try and be the winner as, as often as possible do you think that competitive nature do you think that takes any like fun out of sports or do you think it adds to it uh it can do a bit of both to be honest with you uh, if you get to the higher levels, as like with powerlifting a bit later down the line I got to, it does take a bit more of the fun away from it. And it's not just the fun of the sport it takes away, it's more the lifestyle fun that it can take away from. So right. if, if you can't go out as much or if you're hindered by what you can do... Um, socially. Yeah, socially, yeah. It yeah. can take a bit more of that kind of toll on you. But especially when you're younger, I would say it adds to the fun because... Okay. If you train and train and train in your own personal time when you would be doing sports a lot of the time anyway because you're young and active, yeah. Uh, when it comes to a sports day or it comes to an athletics race and your family are there and your friends are there and everything, yeah. nothing really trumps winning kind of thing. On to me, to, personally to me, yeah, that's that's what kind of makes it all worth it is, is winning. Yeah. It counts. And again, you, you kind of touched on it briefly. You, you obviously said there is only really winners and losers, but... These, these sports, even athletics, which is strictly, you know, a one-minded sport, you, you, you're working on your own out there, in, especially in, in race situations, but you have made friends throughout, oh, throughout yeah. those, those uh, sports. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I call it a, a winner-loser sport, really. It's, maybe that's a bit harsh for it. Um, everybody, everybody who obviously competes at any, any level is doing well just to be participating because they're yeah. obviously wanting to be involved in the sport so it doesn't matter if you're international or if you're an amateur that's your first competition everybody a has to start somewhere and b is in it for a different reason i mean not everybody wants to necessarily win crossfit for example is a, the mm. prime example of that 99 percent of people who do crossfit go there for the fitness and social side of it not yeah. to compete uh you don't you don't have to be competing and you don't have to be going for number one and even if you are you don't have to be a dick essentially <laughs> you know you can easily make friends along the way i mean yeah. jordan is probably one of my best friends uh today and we started by competing against each other a yeah. lot of the way at, at reading and then moving on to bratnell yeah and his mum gave me lifts to most competitions so i mean it just shows that you can be competitive with somebody and still be very very close with them yeah because you, you're still best friends to this day obviously we've we've been friends for a long time as well and we've competed in certain things um so stepping away from the athletics what was the next step you, you said you didn't really see a future with athletics it was something for the then kind of moment where do you where did you move on to yeah well to be fair i, I knew i wouldn't be able to focus as much on sports as i wanted to uh my main goal kind of thing from quite young was to earn a lot essentially um and I didn't think, oh, I definitely wasn't good enough at football. I mean, I was awful <laughs> at football, so that was, that was never going to happen. I can vouch for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, two left feet, but that's all right. Um, basically, I, I kind of came to an abrupt ending with the athletics when uh, Callum Osborne broke my foot, and I just missed a load of competitions after that. Couldn't be bothered to go into it. Thought, screw it, I'll start focusing a bit more on my, uh, my academia and actually start going towards, I wanted to go towards the accounting route. Yeah. Um, and start start heading towards that way essentially, and start doing a bit more studies, getting my head down a bit more. 
So the next step, obviously, we went to secondary school together. University was next. You, where did you go to university, and how this kind of led you into your next sport, right? Yeah, yeah. So just when I thought I was tailoring off the sports a bit, and I thought, you know what, I can't really be bothered with the training and everything. Um, I gifted in Bournemouth University some powerlifting skills. It just turns out that I had a housemate. I think it was either a housemate or a course mate, one of the two. Took me along to a strongman on campus competition, and it was it was a joke. They signed me up for a joke, so I um, was at the time like a 60 kg small Asian kid, and yeah. thought you know like I went to the gym now and then, and like a lot of small Asian kids who <laughs> are 60 kg and yeah. 21 thought you run the world essentially. So yeah. I think they signed me up as partially to take the piss out of me, but <laughs> never never really realised. Sounds like a good group of friends. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Never realised I'd actually not be too bad at it. And um, there was a coach there in Bournemouth. Uh, it just happened to be one of the more senior guys, Paul Reese, who was quite well known in the powerlifting world. Um, and he basically just said, look, come along to a few more sessions and everything. So I did quite well at the, the strongman on campus competition that they did. Um, fast forward a few months and I was hooked on it. Fast forward a few years and I'm competing for Great Britain. and got a scholarship at the uni for my second and third year so right. I really enjoyed it where did you compete for Great Britain because I knew it took you took you to quite a few places you know around the UK and even around the yeah, world yeah yeah so around the UK most most places that uh, around were around the UK so there was Wales I didn't ever go to Scotland powerlifting went to um, Moulton College I think it is uh, we go up north quite a few times. There's some yeah, you're in Derby a few. Yeah, times. Derby a few yeah. times. Uh, it was it was a lot in Wales to be fair, because Wales just for some reason have good facilities for that, and a, yeah. a lot of the good powerlifters were Welsh. Um, and then internationally, Finland and Italy. I went to uh, Turin, which is just outside of Milan. So that was that was my first international. Nice. Um, that one was probably one of the hardest things I've done as well, because it was equipped lifting. Yeah. So it was all of the knee wraps and all the really tight suit and squeezing in and out of things yeah, last like minute leotards yeah a real yeah. tight it's the it's the the heavy duty leotards as well so not the ones that you can just slide in and out of the ones that you've got to wriggle into and use yeah. baby powder to get into and everything fine so yeah. there's quite a lot that goes into those competitions in there and it's very stringent rules yeah yeah so i remember in italy uh, it was only my third or fourth actual equipped competition because it wasn't as big as it is getting now so it wasn't too, too difficult to break into the international scene. Um, I remember the first competition I was there, basically you have to put on your suit, your squat suit by yourself, right. or you can have a bit of assistance, but basically you can't use, um, you can't use like equipment to help you essentially. You have to use your hands or somebody else's hands. It has to be a very manual process. Right. But somebody, uh, one of the guys basically had put random little things that basically was silk around his knees to help pull them up and that silk assists massively because obviously it means it, it just slides up your leg a lot more and you can get a tighter version of what you're putting on on which is beneficial in the long run and i remember the referee went over to him and said i'm, I'm really sorry you're gonna have to take it off and put it on again and bearing in mind this is a grueling grueling process to do it's uh, 15 minutes of sweating and hurting essentially and then you've got to go lift your weights after that. So yeah. I felt for the guy at the time, but rules are rules. I mean, everybody everybody at that level should know them. 
unfortunate for him he, he had to redo it yeah so those rules even move on to the lifts so for people who don't know too much about power lifting there's three lifts right yep so you've got your bench your deadlift and your squat yeah each of them have different sort of form um you know you see it on the internet kind of been mocked a yeah, few times yeah. i think powerlifting. um run us through some of the rules that come with the in the individual lifts yeah no absolutely so squat is uh is the first lift of the day so that's quite a that's quite an easy one to be honest with you the main thing that people fail with on there is depth uh a lot of people if you're just starting to go to the gym and everything really struggle with depth it's a uh, it's a known thing that it's quite difficult to really master because you feel like you're falling back um so uh, a lot of people just don't go to depth and that's the main reason for the gym uh, in a competition it's easier not to go to depth so it's easier basically there is a say say you start at the top and you've got to go 100 percent is like balls to ground essentially mm-hmm. and a lot of and 80 percent is where you need to go to for depth a lot of people will only go to 50 60 and they just they won't really hit the hip knee parallel they won't go below that your hip has to basically just drop below knee parallel yeah and then it comes back up again so it's called like the wink isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it's the ba- it's a bounce basically so yeah. you just want to you just want to drop in and come back up again but a lot of people can't use that drop so it's 50 50 some people really benefit off of it i personally really benefited off of it so i never really found depth an issue because i could bounce at the bottom and i could come back up quite easily but I know a lot of top guys who really try and skim it by, they, they just try and edge in essentially. What they miss out there is obviously the momentum. So they, they don't get the bounce. They don't get any of that momentum, but they tend to be bigger guys who can just graft it out. And they're a lot stockier, they're a lot heavier. So for them, they just want to basically be able to get to that depth. They can't actually get down that deep a lot of the time. Fine. So that's the that's the squat rule is mainly where people fail there. Um, bench, bench you have to touch your chest with and you have to hold it on your chest. Yeah. Now it's quite easy to say yeah I can do a hundred kilo bench or I can do a one twenty bench or whatever and think your bench is great, but uh, if you can't hold it there and it's not stable and it's not actually touching your chest, it's difficult to say whether that's a proper bench press. Yeah. Um, really in, in a competition and it gets mimicked a lot and it gets taken the piss out of all the time when people are arching because you're allowed to arch as long as your butt is touching the the bench you're you're allowed to do it as much as you can um i personally couldn't arch very much and was very envious of people who would arch a lot it isn't detrimental to their health in any way that i can think of really as long as you're doing it properly and keeping your butt down um so I mean I, th- I think it gets a lot of stick for what is essentially a good skill and it's, it's part of the sport um, bench is basically just three commands it's lift they take it out of the rack for you down they take it down to you press you push it up once it's off after it's touched your chest and the referee can tell you it's been stable on your chest for basically a second press and then rack so that's once it's very much at the top both your elbows are locked out uh, you can then basically just chuck it back into the rack essentially so that's uh, that's bench. It's quite a quite a standard one. Most yeah. people are familiar with that. Yeah. Deadlift. You've got the most uh, controversial of lifts. I think deadlift. Mm-hmm. That's by far the the one that divides a lot of people, either sumo or conventional. Mm-hmm. Um, sumo has been seen as, as a cheater's deadlift. I d- 
do not know why. I I am a big advocate of sumo. I'm more of a an Eddie Hall kind of stance deadlift, so in between sumo and conventional kind of that mid range. But if I had more flexibility and I was a bit better at that style, I would 100% sumo. Hmm. Yes, it means you can get the most weight up if you're a lighter guy because you've got less distance to travel. But it is also still difficult. Like you're you can't use your legs in the same way because they're two foot apart so I, I don't know you're you're more conventional, conventional aren't you yeah, yeah typically i did do sumo because obviously we used to train together um, and when we trained together i i did sumo but i f- i found it really abnormal because my legs were so long like yeah. sometimes i felt like my feet were gonna sit underneath the the plates when it drops exactly but if you're a bit more dangly it's a bit more yeah it's a bit a more difficult to yeah, do different. isn't it yeah so but it's quite a few cues on deadlifts like you said it's you know you've you already said there's the controversy in regards to the the stance whether it's sumo or conventional but there's also the cues you see arching backs and yeah the gr- even grip you know reverse reverse yeah. alternate grips or hand yeah, over hand grip. under yeah it depends it dep- like there's a lot of different variances to to deadlifts to be honest with you i i've seen hundreds and hundreds of different types of ways people deadlift 99 percent of them just look painful mm. and then you get a <laughs> you get the one percent that's like oh, okay that's that's nice that was good to see yeah um it's it's one of those things that once you found a technique that works for you it's easier to stick at it than try to change yeah because if you try to change a lot of people are going to find their ego doesn't let them because you'll have to drop your weight down to 40 percent of what you were doing before and try and work from there uh, on technique again with it with a new style of course yeah and a lot of people like you said their ego gets in the way of that and that kind of halts you there so with powerlifting obviously we'll get into it you're not doing it anymore when when did it stop and what happened after yeah so for me i think it stopped around the time i moved to london um i basically i moved up to london just after my postgrad uh, got a job and it wasn't a very demanding job I carried on a lot of gym uh, when I was there anyway I was basically in the prime I just got my 120 bench so I was pretty happy and everything um, and I was still only about 63-ish kilos so still pretty light at the time um, I think about a year had gone by and I'd done one or two local competitions and done done well at them just couldn't be bothered to do the, the uh, national ones Uh, took a year out of national that year and then went back the following year uh this was about 2017 ish won the british then um got invited last minute to an international but i just thought i'm so so unfit at that Mm. at that stage uh that was basically about six months after the british and two months into working in poland uh with some friends and stuff for ig at the time and it was, it was just a alcohol fueled, no gym, uh, work trip essentially. So a bit of a release from the lifestyle you were living before. Exactly, exactly. And I think I just I fell out of the lifestyle to be honest with you. And once you're so ingrained into something, to go only partial into it is very difficult. Mm. Um, you find like I know I know for example footballers once they finish their footballing career some of them go on and they're tv pundits and everything and some of them are managers like stephen Gerrard's manager and frank lampard's still a manager but 
the overwhelming majority of them won't have much to do with football anymore. So yeah. a lot of them will just take a break from that lifestyle and just go and do whatever else in life they want to do, essentially. Because there is, there is obviously more to life than just that one sport. Yeah. It, mu- it must be so hard to be so dedicated to something. And like you said, that kind of dictated your, your social life for a, a period of time. You know, during university was the majority of it as well, yeah. which is obviously such a social time. Um, so when you come out, I think, or maybe once you've hit your peak, like you said, you competed at, at the British. Um, maybe when you come out of that peak, do you think you're like, it's like a release. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. done now. And that's why you go in that opposite direction. Yeah, a lot of it is. A lot of it is just a, a good feeling of, well, I can relax now. This is it. I've, I've done what I wanted to do. Got it on the CV. And I'm yeah. sorted, essentially. Yeah. Like, it's, it's something that will stay with me forever. Uh, the memories are still there and everything, so that's great. But I can move on to, to other chapters, basically. And I mean, I've still, like, I've, we've got a bench set up in our log cabin now. Um, I still go to the gym a lot. I'm just focusing on slightly different things now. So rather than getting as strong as I can, and benching 120, 130, whatever I'm trying to do, or getting that 200 kg deadlift uh, squat, which I always wanted, now it's just gets get bigger, essentially, and just gain a bit of weight nice so you had a bit of a break from the gym how long did that break last would you say yeah so that was the goldman days uh that was that was a big old break that yeah was so you got quite a high-powered job quite busy yeah your time was used up a lot yeah yeah so i was working between 50 to 70 hours a week yeah. um there was there was a gym on site essentially at, at goldman so they have a they have a gym there but it just wasn't for me mm. um I think when you're working that many hours and your lunch is only 20 minutes, half an hour maximum, if you want to pop out and pick something up and you have it in the canteen, it's very, very easy to try and get more and more out of your work, essentially. So to try and like succeed and try and be better than the next person, it's, it's a different type of comp- competing, essentially. So where in sports competing against people to be better in a competition, in an environment like Goldman where everybody's trying to basically get to the top and get promoted and get bigger bonuses everybody is competing for basically FaceTime at the desk and doing their job as well as possible learning as much as they can pleasing as many managers as possible and unfortunately I fell into that and that was uh that was two years of just basically arse licking management uh (laughs) spending time uh, at your desk as much as you can and really trying to get those promotions in nice so you've had that break you're kind of slowly getting back into the gym now is that right yeah yeah so as soon as i moved uh, i joined a gym found out that the boys that i now work with go every single lunch so pre-covid i was going every lunch uh we'd take turns of who we were going to go with and we'd go into an hour-long session it was great it was really good so i gained about i was i think 62 kilos when i left uh goldman in november of 2018 and then fast forward a year oh no that was november 2019 and then fast forward a year to nowish uh i'm 70 i'm 71 72 so gain seven eight kg um gained it. Space. yeah no in a, yeah in a year and i've always struggled to gain weight so yeah i think going back to the gym now after such a long time off getting back into it basically your body's just changed it just changes a bit and it's more now about okay if i eat more and i train a bit more i'll i'll actually gain some weight which is good good well that seems like a good point to go into um our little 
little section that we do called snack corner so i briefed yeah. you on this before <laughs> so on the weight game um topic what snacks have you brought along and take us through them why do you eat them how long you know yeah absolutely so weight gain topic wise uh the well, to be honest with you let's start let's start with the the snacks of when i was competing and stuff because i think okay cool that's, so there's a story to snack corner today yeah oh yeah 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 so okay. the snacks that i've brought along with us today um, are more from the competition days because they can be linked into the gaining what you should be eating to gain weights right because uh, really i just sucked at it when i was in uni um, so for some reason just didn't gain anything but I've got with me today on a competition day obviously you've got to have your chocolate milk so right. after you weigh in basically you just want to replenish and get some sugar in your system get some feel a bit fuller uh, I found I found that if I was weighing in at 59 kg which I competed at a lot of the time I'd feel thin because I would obviously be thin my walk around weight at that time was about 62 ish so I had had to cut about 3 kg which when you're five foot seven, three kg is, is a fair amount essentially yeah. if you're only 63. Yeah, of course. Um, so I wanted to get basically a more full feeling as quickly as possible. Um, to do that, I'd always start with a half a litre basically of chocolate milk, mm -hmm. which is delicious and nutritious. <laughs> um, I would then move on to a couple of bananas because who doesn't love a banana? And I know a lot of people struggle with bananas. So I hear people get sickening feeling and stuff and yeah, it's, I think it's a certain reaction that certain people have, um, also linked to a lot of bloating, yeah. um, both in males and females. Yeah, for me, bananas are just a treat. I, I love them. I can have three, four bananas in a go. And so lucky you. Yeah, just, just it's <laughs> nice for me. Um, then I will always have some sausage rolls. There's Great. no real reason behind it, just uh, they're high in fats and high in saturated fats. Uh, there's a little bit of salt in there, so any water that I would then drink would be retained, so that was, that was always nice. Good. Um, and then throughout the competition, basically, I top up the sugars with uh, brownies right. because I love, I love a brownie. So I get a, a box of brownies, basically, uh, these little brownie bites, mini 24 from Asda, £1.65, two for £3 at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're working for the current deal. <laughs> so now I have them. <laughs> yeah, I that is Asda. true, yeah. <laughs> then some uh, Skittles. For if you, just before deadlift, Skittles are great because right. they basically give you that little bit of sugar rush, that buzz that you need. and you've just done your squats and your bench so you, you're kind of dying a little bit um and red bull obviously just to, to keep going throughout the, the whole day um so yeah th those were mainly my uh so your competition snacks they're quite high sugar high fats yeah it's all about getting calories in quickly like you said replenishing yeah. your stores because you've been cutting down you see this a lot you see it in you know boxers and yeah. fighters in general mma um, they cut seriously, sweat it out, and then when it, as soon as the weigh-in's done, it's whatever you can get in you, basically. Exactly. Um, it's, the, it's the exact same. I've seen many, a lot of the time it's the bigger guys. I know Sean, uh, the Welsh uh, lifter, he, every competition would have to wear a black bag around him to sweat out an extra few kg. I mean, admittedly, he was competing in the 93s and normally cutting down from about 98, 99. Um, but every single time we'd go to a competition, he'd be in the back of the car, just basically sweating away in a black bin liner, which was horrible. So you don't want that. And obviously after that, once you've, once you've weighed in, you need to be able to lift. So you want to be feeling a bit better than, yeah. oh, I've just sweat out for the last three yeah. hours. Uh, so that's when you slam in as much food as you can, basically, sugary food. Yeah, definitely. Well, sounds like some good snacks. And those, do you eat them? similar diet now would you say uh, or not as much now yeah because the picture you've painted is that 
your diet's quite bad but there is a lot around that that <laughs> is kind of your competition day isn't it yeah so the diet is bad i'm not gonna lie but uh there is a lot of other food to it so that's competition day diet um admittedly i would eat a lot of these pork sausages and sausage rolls and stuff like that and home or lasagnas that are pre-packaged and everything when i was in uni anyway but that's part of the uni lifestyle for sure um final year I lived with uh, Vaughn and Jack and Sam, who were a lot more into gym anyway. All of them were quite gym boys. Um, it meant that we did eat a lot healthier. I also worked at Asda, so it helped. We got a bit of discount off everything. Um, it means that we basically ate fresh meat every single night, essentially. Um, wouldn't recommend it. I think this whole uh, insight into the impacts of meat and everything is, is quite a big thing, and people make up their own minds on that and everything i'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination but um eating that much meat you do feel bad after a bit of time as well like it, it does make an impact on your body but you also do get everything that you need essentially so yeah it's a short-term fix yeah me, me and my girlfriend have started doing like meatless mondays yeah which then kind of like carries on into the next morning and like leftovers go for the next lunch so it's kind of like meatless mondays and a half yeah, um, no, that's good. It's, I mean, if everybody cut their meat consumption by, I don't know, a seventh or whatever that would be, then it's, it's probably quite it's probably quite good for the world. Like, you wouldn't have so much global warming and stuff. But again, I'm, I'm no expert, so I can't. I don't want to get ripped to pieces by somebody who turns out they are and listens to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone always comments on that sort of thing. Yeah. So your your diet now, you are bulking. Your how do you do it? Is it a lot of snacks or is it? You know, like three big meals. How are you I'm doing a snacker. It? I've always been a snacker. Yeah. Um, I tried the whole big meal thing. It just isn't for me. Maybe, maybe it would work. Uh, I mean, if I had four thousand calories split across three meals, then maybe it would speed up the bulking process or something. I just can't do it. Um, much, much prefer, and I, I feel better when I eat five, six, seven meals a day, just smaller. Like there's no. There's no harm in having a lot of random snacks if, if I can fit them in. We're all working from home at the moment, so it's not like I'm time constrained. Uh, the kitchen's downstairs. I could pop by anytime I want and pick up a new <laughs> snack. <laughs> so it's easy and convenient. Exactly. That's exactly it. We kind of, we touched on it earlier. With time constraints, so when you've got those busy jobs, do you find it easier to snack then? Do you think that's a, a large reason why you do snack? Uh, I won't lie, it's, it's difficult to eat, period, then. Um, when, when you've got a, a busy job and everything, you're often in and out of meetings, um, you've got very tight deadlines, you don't really want to be away from your desk. Getting the food to your desk in the first place is hard. So I know a lot of people were a lot more prepared than I was and would bring in food, for example. But if I finished at 8 o'clock at night, got home at quarter to 9-ish, the last thing on my mind was what am I going to make for dinner today? Mm -hmm. So it was a lot more eating out, um, takeaway food, unfortunately. It was it was a bad diet. I mean, I know I painted a bad picture earlier for my diet, but those couple of years at Goldman was a disgusting, disgusting diet. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of a lot of takeaway. Yeah, those things in moderation, absolutely fine. Or if you fit it in and in and around, like I'm definitely someone who loves those fatty foods, yeah. like love burgers. You know, we went through your <laughs> snacks, like, I'll devour most of those. Um, if you can fit them in, it's fine. Um, there, there's no such thing as necessarily a bad food. There's yeah. definitely foods that aren't as good for you as others. Yeah. 
um, but if you're fitting in takeaways once a week or once every two weeks or however you want to do it even if you want to do it every now and then and you're really really strict um, then so be it um, well, there's a time and a place for everything isn't there at the end of the definitely. day I think people judge people who have so called bad diets and I know a lot of the time fine if you're having McDonald's every single day breakfast lunch and dinner it's, it's not going to be good but you're not going to be a top athlete anyway if you're doing that like no. you you know your body you f- you'll feel sluggish if you try and do that if I guarantee you if you have a double sausage and egg muffin followed by a fillet of fish at lunchtime and then a couple of che- a double cheeseburger or something at dinner that night you will feel like crap like yeah. it's you just it's just natural it's natural for our body you have to have some healthier foods in there but at the same time if you just had a fillet of fish at lunch you probably wouldn't even feel it it wouldn't make a difference like it's natural so all moderation like yeah. you said and you you can work that through your body and your exercise also one thing you don't have to do is you don't have to work out because you've had that one no, meal you no. know that you don't need to replace replace um the calories somehow remove the calories from your diet like you just got to build it in there i think if you're consistent enough outside then when when those meals happen there is zero guilt involved there shouldn't be guilt involved anyway but i think you find it easier if if you do manage your diet around it yeah if you're in sports you are already active if you're doing the if you're in the gym three times three four times a week whatever if you're playing badminton twice a week if you're going on runs a couple of times a week you're already active enough yeah. kind of thing like you deserve to have a treat have a packet of skills have whatever, have whatever you want essentially just don't only eat that and you'll be fine yeah exactly yeah i think that's a healthy way to to look at it yeah so before we go how would you suggest people get into well let's go through the sports you've you've mentioned athletics firstly how would you recommend people get into that yeah, so it depends on the age, to be honest, with athletics. Um, if you're young, it's very easy to just ask your parents to take you down to the local club or something. Uh, just a quick Google search if there's any road running clubs or if there's any athletics clubs near you. Always always easy. Um, if you're a bit older, if you're in your 20s or whatever and you're looking to get into it, just have a look on one of these apps. There's loads of apps at the moment. Uh, do a lot of the running routes and everything even um, stuff like park run exactly park runs are wicked park runs are great fun um that is a very social way to meet people go on a run you keep track of your times and everything it's always or i think it's always 5k i think now they might actually have some 10k ones as well um it's it's great you can do it all around the country as well that way it's like mini competitions for yourself so yeah that, that's that's a good way of doing it how about powerlifting because typically people would start that later just because obviously there's a lot of rumors about body development and so on and so forth being 16 before you start working out and everything yeah, yeah. again i'm not a scientist I, I don't know about that so i'm not going to comment really on it um but yeah powerlifting is a bit more tricky to get into um obviously you go to a commercial gym you go to a buzz gym pure gym the gym whatever you go to uh, it is a lot more difficult to really get into a proper squat, bench, deadlift, whatever you want to do. Um, a lot of the times, unfortunately, the PTs might not be the best in those areas, but that is because they're such specialised lifts. It's it's not something that they'd really be expected to know the ins and outs of, but they are a good start. I mean, if you haven't got a clue what you're doing, maybe have a one-on-one just one one-on-one with a pt asking us to take you through the fundamentals of the three compound lifts 
and then you can YouTube it, you can watch Facebook videos. Um, I know there's British Powerlifting Federation on Facebook. They are always, always posting videos and people are asking questions in there. They're very active. It's really not too difficult. If you want to find out about these things, just put it into your phone, put it into Google, put it in anywhere, you'll find something. And this is, if the, sorry, and is there lessons you've learned from working this busy lifestyle yeah, it, in terms of getting health and fitness in there, keeping a diet, is there anything you'd like look back on now and said, well, I could have done this differently and it would have been easier? Yeah, I think, I think for me, I maybe didn't focus, I, I maybe took too long out of sports, to be honest. Those two years at Goldman's, I think, was too long um, from a sport perspective. I think if you can, if you start a new job or if you are seeing somebody new, dating somebody new, whatever, and you're making a lot of time for that person or that job or something, just remember to make time for the things that you actually enjoy and the things that are going to benefit you really. So sports are one thing which it's good for you in the sense of that it's actually good for your body and will help you live longer. And as well as that, it's it's good for your mental health. Like it actually, it helps you focus on what you actually want, your goals in life and everything. So do try as much as you can to just half an hour, an hour, wherever you've got it, even a couple of hours a week, just to get something in. Don't, uh, don't go teetotal and do no exercise because that's just a recipe for disaster, essentially. Okay. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it up. Amrik, thank you very much for coming on. Um, this evening and yeah, cheers um, for having me mate you're more than welcome it. and we'll uh, we'll catch you guys in the next episode cheers see you soon <laughs>